it's Alex here. And Kiki. On this episode, we learn about a new musical created to be a survival guide for women. Rachel and Eloise join us to talk about what inspired them to write The Circle. How they bring authenticity to their writing. And their atypical path into writing their first musical. Welcome to Making Making a a Musical, musical, the future of British musical musical theatre. And we're back. It's a new musical, new people. Today we have Rachel Walker Mason, music and lyrics, and Eloise Hodder, book writer of a new musical called The Circle. Tell us about The Circle. What is it about? The Circle is about eight women at various stages in their lives um, who, for some reason or another, feel invisible. And they come together um, to form a songwriter circle. And through that, they find friendship and love and connection and um, it changes their lives. And why did you want to write this show? It's kind of what I know. It's, it's, I, I am a songwriter and I write with different people. Um, and Eloise and I knew we wanted to write from our own experiences as, as, as women in our forties, um, we have been through lots of things, divorces and mental health things and lots of, lots of stuff that a lot of people go through. It's really common. And we wanted to write what we knew. We wanted it to be as authentic as we could possibly make it. Um, and this is, this is what came out. This is what came out of us. (laughs) Yeah. I think we, we offer the audience an opportunity to recognize themselves as well in the characters that we've created. Other characters based on real friends, family, people you've met. How much do you kind of draw inspiration from real life? Oh, it's about 100%. I yeah, think, isn't I think it? so it's... too. Like there's definitely, we we know which character is which. And um, sometimes they're very crudely named directly after the person that we're writing about. <laughs> and sometimes uh, they're based on somebody or a few people. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Sometimes they're they're a combination um, of uh, some of them are based on us. Um, there's one of the characters, Beth, is is kind of based on me, um, the character who creates the circle, and she um, has postnatal depression, and that's exactly um, who what happened to me. I, I really struggled with that, um, and I set up um, songwriting workshops for those. Um, writers and non-writers who also were struggling with their mental health after having children um and that was called lyrical light and um so this is kind of the real well the musical theater version of lyrical light yeah (laughs) yeah and why did you decide that musical theater was the best medium to tell these stories correct me if i'm wrong this is your first piece definitely together and as you said you're a singer songwriter rachel but by by trade and Eloise, I'd love to hear how you got into writing as well. So I'm a theatre maker, director, dramaturg. That's my job, my bag. And I've been involved in short musicals before, but usually from a dramaturgy point of view, not from a sort of creative point of view. And I think that my expectation for this project was that I was going to direct it. That Mm. was what I (laughs) thought was going to happen. But then... But then <laughs> yeah. it all changed. It yeah. did. It's it's basically my best friend's fault entirely, Abby Green, who will probably listen to this at some point, who is my best friend in the whole world. And we um we both teach musical theatre and we love musicals and we 
go to London quite often for research trips to watch musicals because then we have to teach the musicals. So we're like, we need to go. Of course you do. And we go and see some shows and have lunch and then come back again. And um, we were driving back from one one such musical and she said, you could do that. And I said, what, what do you mean? She went, you could write that. I was like, what? What? And she said, you can write a musical. When are you going to write a musical? And basically just in very gentle way, bullied me into, into doing it. And you can't really say no to your best friend because you're going to keep seeing them. So, you know, I couldn't fall out with her. So I remember saying, what would I write? And she went, you know, I, I, no, I don't. She went, yeah, you do. And so the whole journey <laughs> back to Bristol was just Abby telling me that I could totally do this. And I'd never really thought about it before um I love the media of musical theater I love it I love musicals I love teaching musicals I love singing musicals but I'd never thought about it um and and then yeah once she'd forced me into you know writing this I thought well I'm not a script writer and it was yeah it was August 2021 that um that Abby forced me to do this and it was you had only just started. Yeah, so I'd, I'd Abby. been working with Abby for precisely no days. Yeah, zero days. Zero days <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> by the point that you went for your last visit and that conversation had happened. So I think that conversation would have happened on a Saturday. Yes, probably. And then the yeah. following Tuesday, I th- or possibly Monday, Abby and I met because we both work at the same institution, which is UCW. So that conversation started happening. UCW was known for creating new musicals, for um, showcasing and workshopping new musicals. So um, the year before ours, it was Rob Rakiki's uh, Experience Marianas. Mm. Yeah, that, that new piece. So we had a tough act to follow yeah. as well, <laughs> that was um, which was quite, uh, quite something. And yeah, like I said, Abby was kind of like, oh, I know that the musical is going to have a lot of um, gritty female mm. issues that it discusses. So it definitely needs a female director. And mm. maybe that would be UL, given that my sort of previous work had involved um, a piece about Grenfell and, you know, other things that were gritty and so on. So I was like, oh, yeah, great, fine. Yeah, send it my way. Who's going to be looking after the actors at that time? You know, fabulous, fabulous. And then... Um, and then we realised you didn't have a book. No, didn't have a book, <laughs> which is kind of important, isn't? Is it not for a mm. musical? And I'm not really someone who's. It's not. It wouldn't have been great. If it's I'd a key ingredient. It. I hear. It, it's yeah. It, it, otherwise, it's just a load of songs, and that's not really a musical, is it? It's just some songs. So um, Eloise basically got all roped into. Well, no, Abby was then like, "Elle, you should write the book." It was her again. Yeah. Like, Elle, you should yeah. write the book, and I was like, "Uh, but I." You know, I roll around on the floor for a living. I go in, <laughs> I go into a room, uh, sometimes with other actors, sometimes alone, and I physically make the work or I experiment and until I've got something. And then eventually a book might be created if a technician needs to light it for us or something like that. You know, like there wouldn't necessarily need to be a book because we might all be kind of quite self-sufficient and everybody would know what was happening, which is the nature of devising. So then we met, didn't we? We 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 arranged a meeting. Mm -hmm. I came over to your house. We were both without children that day because between us we have four children. 
and we adore young. them, but they're young, they're little ones, they're little, little still, primary school. Um, so this morning we had the school run. We were like, oh, get to London after the school run. <laughs> so someone else is picking up today after school, yeah. but yeah, working that around That duty someone else's, hooray. Exactly. Um, so I came over to yours, we had tea and chocolate, which has been the mainstay of our writing. <laughs> Can't do it without tea and chocolate. And we just talked about loads of stuff in our lives and we had so much in common with stuff that's happened, good stuff, bad stuff. And um, that started to form the basis of who the characters were going to be and what we were, how they how they interacted and how they supported each other. Um, and that was, yeah, January 2022, wasn't it? So, yeah. yeah. And then um, incredibly, so Abby, my best friend, works um, at UCW where they do devise new theatre. And she said, oh, I said, oh, what, what am I going to do with this musical now that we've got this idea? And she was like, well, we can do it as our devised piece for our second years for your their workshopping. I was like, what? That's crazy. Like, how many people get that? I was like, that's, that's just amazing. So it meant we had to actually write it. Yeah. We had to actually. We were on a deadline. Yeah, we had to actually do it, which was the best possible thing because we would never have done it otherwise. It's just when there's no deadline, plus just creatives, we kind of think about stuff, but we don't. We just don't finish things because there's no need to. And you take on other projects and you're busy <laughs> directing other shows and yeah. running your other your other lives as well and managing everything else. Yeah, but we had to do it. And so we did. And then it was it was workshopped um, as part of the, the second year's um, degree work. And they were amazing. We had this incredible group. We were just so blessed, weren't we? They were yeah. incredible. And they really took it on and they were advocating for their characters. They were just, we couldn't have had a better group. They were amazing. And changes got made to it because as we were going, so the piece by the time it was performed as the workshop was completely different to what they read two weeks before. Um, and they just ran with it. And, and they were so creative and, and amazing. We were, we made, we adapted things as we went because their ideas were so good. Yeah, so we, good. we went into the room and we'd look at something that was on paper. It worked quite well, but then actually when it was up on its feet, it wasn't functioning in the same way as we'd like it to. So suggestions were made and ideas were had and meetings were had. And then I'd be rewriting it sort of three o'clock in the morning <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. and firing off scripts or not firing off scripts sometimes and then getting lost in some kind of... yeah ether yeah <laughs> having to to refine them again so we're writing songs that like oh we need a new opening song yeah we did a new oh, opening song yeah. <laughs> i'll go home and write that 10 minutes writing that thing then we're into the next day i don't want to say it like this can i say it like that yes if it trips off the tongue more easily and yeah so how much do you think it changed during that actual workshop process it did become quite a different piece there were things that that became really different and extra scenes were added yeah, storylines were bulked Extra songs went in, or songs were changed. Songs were changed. Mm -hmm. um, material was edited. Yeah, it it changed significantly, mm. but the the core, the underlying journey remained the same. Like it mm. was still true to our ideas and so on. Because um, I don't think we'd have deviated from that, would we? No. So that the the pods of the characters were basically what we wrote, but they got there in a slightly different way sometimes and it it just felt more natural it was um yes it's still it's still achieved the same aim but in a way that just felt more real because it was suddenly real people saying those words and saying oh this I'm not sure about this line can I yeah and, and you were perfectly happy with them changing stuff and and they were they were great with with ideas absolutely brilliant and we had an amazing director Kate Pascoe who yeah. just 
kind of captured it and the staging um was very kind of come from away and that there's just chairs and it just moves around and she just totally it was like if I could direct that's what my brain would do and so she just she just did it she was like an extension of yeah the I two think, of us she was amazing I think that um because I work mostly as a movement and physical practitioner I I wrote something that was very fluid and the transitions were everything in the piece which was something we, I communicated very early mm. when we were choosing a, a director to do the piece um but I'm also I'm very flexible because my process is usually devising and that is an ever-changing beast and you know you you can run something and actually it'll be into a into a tour and it might evolve into something slightly different because of audience reactions or something like that so when the cast were can we I was like try it see what it Mm. looks like Mm. you know they were quite fortunate that they had um that they had the two of us sort of going yep let's have a look at that then you know there was no give it a go yeah there was (laughs) no sort of no that is what we have written and this is what will be done so Mm. I think what's really exciting to hear is just the authenticity of this piece and how much it it stays true to your personal experiences but also your shared language of theatre and I think that's what's really exciting and potentially unique to you and and this process is it, it it just is um unapologetically leaning into your strengths and I think that's when you find something really really exciting and you know hopefully when it reaches a stage you know where we see it on stage that I can feel that already coming through just talking to you about it and I think actually it's a really good opportunity to listen to one of the songs we have so we have Drown Without Water which is actually also a finalist for the Styles and Drew prize for best new song do you want to give us a little bit of context around the song potentially where it fits within the show who's singing it yep so it's Beth who's the character that's that's loosely based on me um she um, she created the circle. So throughout the musical, you know that she's struggled a bit with her mental health. She talks about it a bit, but not very much. And then towards the end of the show, you find out what she's been struggling with and why she set up the circle, why she created it. And it's basically to to save her because she was pretty much suicidal at that point, had postpartum psychosis and, and anxiety and postnatal depression, all these horrible things that happened. It's like one in one in nine women have have that and and fathers as well it's so common and we don't talk about it because we feel ashamed even though it's nothing to be ashamed of but um so Beth is based on on me and she sings drama that water as the 11 o'clock number in the show um to kind of reveal what what brought her to creating the circle how how low she really was so it kind of goes through um sort of different elements of postnatal depression the kind of the kind of guilt and the anxiety and the shame and and she's talking about about that even if she knows the person she loves is there it almost doesn't matter because she's just drowning Society 
So Rachel, obviously you have a singer-songwriter background and actually we were just chatting while we were listening to the song about how important good songwriting is in good musical theatre writing. And I think that's something that maybe gets lost a bit in the dialogue of, you know, who could and should be writing musicals. Actually, being able to write a cracking song is a really key part of making a whole musical work. Um, and Drown Without Water is a perfect example of a cracking song. Um, h- how do you bring your experience as a singer-songwriter into the process of writing a musical? I, I tend to just write from experience or with a co-writer, we write about what they want to write. So if you're writing with authenticity at the centre, it tends to fit all right in a musical if it's a musical about real life like this this is like a slice of life it's just real people being together and going through life um if you're writing a musical about a a flying 
monkey in in space or something. You probably don't want to be writing in a singer songwriter style. Possibly, I don't know, but um, I think yeah, with this, this musical just felt like it needed more singer songwritery things. So there's a lot of different genres within it because I wanted all the different characters to have their own kind of genre of music because why would they all sound the same when they're different people from different backgrounds so there's some heavier rock ones there's some country there's some folk there's um soul there's all kinds of different things it's a bit of drum and bass, bit of drum and bass. <laughs> we keep saying should we put some rap in it and then like i can't really write rap i'm no lim mama miranda so i no. can't I can't do that. You know what? Um, Knowing your limits as well is a good. That's good. (laughs) Certainly, that's why I didn't write the script. Otherwise, (laughs) it would be terrible. So yes, I think absolutely knowing your limits. Um, And I, I I co-wrote almost all the songs with different people because I didn't want it to just be my music. I wanted it to represent women and be by different women. I've got a couple of guys in there who were very pro women who who co-wrote with us. So Gregor from. Um, Deacon Blue and Luke from Nisloppy and people like that who were just amazing supporters of women and things that we're doing. Um, but yeah, all the others are women from across the world um, who were writers in different styles and they they loved being part of it. It was just amazing to write. Sometimes we wrote something just because we wanted to write it and it went, oh my gosh, that would be perfect in the musical. Sometimes we intentionally went, I need to write this song for the musical. And so they just wrote that with me. So it was... Um, so we've got, yeah, if we got the entire creative crew together, it'd be a lot of people. It's a lot of ladies. Yeah. Got to fly a lot of people in from Australia ladies, and yeah. America. And, but maybe we'll do that one day. That'll be one pretty day, cool. One day, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all together. When we, when you break it down, talk the nitty nitty gritty, because what we, we love to nerd out. We are, you know, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about new musicals <laughs> if we all weren't a little bit nerdy. Yeah. If yeah. you talk about your writing process... What does it look like? Do you sit down with pen and paper? Do you like to sit at an instrument? Do you, I don't know, like to voice note things? But we've had people on the podcast who like to do any which way. What is your process? Oh, wow. Okay. Ooh. So when I came on board, Rachel had a sort of skeleton idea, um, a songwriting circle where women got together to help them manage their way through or find a path through their difficulties and I went away from the first meeting with five songs and there are now 18 in the musical (laughs) so I went away with five songs and I had lyrics and I had a soundcloud and I had um a hardback book with spider diagrams and flow charts and research tags for me to look at and all sorts of other bits and pieces. And then I just started, I'm pen and paper girl, but also like just my brain spews all over that pen and paper. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think anybody else can look at it and know what's happening like nobody else could type that up <laughs> that's what we said we were like oh <laughs> if you brought this today we could do some work on the train and then and then he went oh what if I left the book on the train I was like don't worry babe no one could read that and, and steal the musical <laughs> it's, it's completely nonsensical it's basically encrypted is it yeah Almost. exactly yeah. exactly <laughs> it's like my my slightly ADHD brain just you know spews all over the all over the page so so yeah my approach is very different and Rachel brings me things <laughs> and I start kind of working around it. I suppose I'm I'm a bit like a. My work is more to um, it's more to order, if you like. I, I produce the work in that way, 
And then if I, I, I hit something where I'm just like, this needs to be more upbeat or th- this bit is, um, it needs to function somewhere else or this belongs to a different character or sometimes change the song. Not very often, so, yeah, sometimes but sometimes it, yeah. this song, this event, I love it, but this song doesn't fit with it for me anymore. Mm, yeah. And I'm very fortunate because there's an enormous back catalogue of stuff. <laughs> we can choose so, from. So sometimes we have a pick through that and sometimes we have a, a moment of, no, I'm writing something completely new for this now. Mm. Is that fair? Definitely. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm not someone who's particularly precious about being like, this song has to go in it. If it doesn't work, don't shoehorn it in. It's just because the audience will think, oh, what was, what was that doing there? Mm. That didn't represent the character or something. So yeah, there were things that went in on the first workshopping that won't that will eventually not be there because it just didn't quite work for the character so we might use it somewhere else in the show um but yeah my writing process is well I I used to be a pen and paper kind of girl um and then I just became really paranoid that my house would burn down and that all my all my songwriting <laughs> books would burn <laughs> they say, what would you what would you um, save in a in a house that's on fire and I used to be like oh my song obviously my children and my husband mm. and my cat but the songwriting books now it's a personalized letter from Lin-Manuel Miranda so I would, yeah, no, he sent it for my 40th. My wow. friend like made him do it. Different yeah. friend who also forced, you know, you've got some good friends. <laughs> I know. Andre Flynn would like to come to the opening. Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> yes, please. I love him. But um, yeah, that's what I take, not the songbooks anymore, because I've just I put everything in my phone in notes and then it's just in the cloud. Um, so if there's ever a problem with the cloud, we're in serious trouble. But I think everybody would be in serious <laughs> yeah. trouble. This podcast certainly would be. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, I just think it all safe in the cloud rather than on paper. So, and then I can just send lyrics to people, you know, bounce things around. Um, and so when I'm, yeah, when I'm songwriting, um, often it's in notes or it's in Google Docs and things. I tend to be more of a typing kind of person. Um, and it's just safer because my kids draw on everything. <laughs> everything is drawn on like walls everything it's like oh god you can't draw on a google doc and you've got exactly exactly so i'm like if i just type things they can't get into my phone and they can't draw all over my stuff so i can still actually read what i've written um and it's just i just find it easier to 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 plan things like that so yeah some of the songs were pre-written and just absolutely fitted in the musical and then some of them I just wrote a new opening number with yeah. um, Jesse Dipper who's amazing and we wrote that specifically that song we were like we need a new opener so I was like I, I want a I want a bigger opener I want, want, I, opener. want I want a big banger at the beginning oh, please yeah. yeah so she wrote that and to order and I, we sat and wrote it and then sent it to you and yeah that's yeah that, thank you that. that'll do yes. that'll do <laughs> so there's another couple I've got to write that um that specifically fit in particular places and need to do that yeah that they've function. got jobs to do haven't they exactly yeah. but the rest yeah they tend to sort of come out a bit like that I think I'm just I've just got a weird brain I just I can't do normal person stuff like Kirk or you know do maths or anything like, I'm really bad at maths but um yeah my, I've always had synesthesia so I've, I've I can see music as colors and when a song writes going well it tastes like steak in my mouth which is what, hold on, break that down for us. <laughs> I think that That's is the most incredible. Because so, I was going to ask about how you know that something is authentic when you've written it. And that sounds like a simple question, but like, is it that you're, you know, do you feel vulnerable when you share it with somebody? Do you, how do you yeah. know that something is like the gold that yeah. you're writing, but it's that it tastes like steak? Tastes like steak. Yeah. Which, I don't have that. Yeah. I don't have the taste like steak, but yeah. I, I certainly. I had a script that was um, focusing on the infertility area. Mm. And uh, I remember reading that to you and feeling quite like, oh gosh, I, 
because I just felt like I'd poured everything into it and was just sort of sat waiting for the reaction of Mm. which fortunately came was wow you know that's that's exactly what we need exactly <sighs> yeah <laughs> thank yeah. goodness but yeah sharing those things is quite definitely hard. and so it's always good to have other ears other people who mm. are either in musical theatre or not and say what do you think of this and if they go yeah then you think all right that doesn't really hit the spot but sometimes people some things they just go oh my gosh that really really touched me and, and it's it's just being as normal as possible i guess about things um and that, yeah particularly the infertility storyline yeah, and the definitely. abuse storyline and things that were, were hard to write um and, hard, and close to home and very close to yeah. home yeah because we've both been there and it's not it makes you feel a bit sick to write about it because it's like stuff that you've not exactly buried but is with you but there's a line in one of the songs that's we're reclaiming buried pain and i think that's what the musical is we've we've we're like, no, we're going to write about these things because a lot of people go through this. It's not just us by any means. It's a, it's so many people go through all these different kinds of issues. We are creating something that enables a survival guide, give them some hope and maybe some ideas of how to deal with what's coming towards them. Mm. How do you kind of walk that line between, or, or perhaps a Venn diagram is a better way of describing it, between those sort of very difficult subjects to tackle and ultimately an a night of entertainment at the theatre you know you mentioned come from away yeah. earlier and I think that's a great example of, of something which does both of those things and you leave feeling kind of warm and hopeful about the world but you also feel like you shared something very deeply emotional with those characters yeah how are we doing that I don't uh, know well we, well, we realised <laughs> because we went through it on paper and we have like post-its everywhere this song goes here this song goes here and we went oh there's an up song there's a down song there's an up song there's a down song that's fine and then we watched it workshop and we're like god this is really sad mm. everybody's crying and we, I didn't yeah. realise it was that upsetting and we were all sitting there we and the audience were just at the end bawling, and, and we were going to sort of thank people for coming and thank the cast for playing and so on when it was in an original package of 94 minutes and we were handing out questionnaires just to ask people, you know, which characters they liked, who would they like to see developed, um, which things resonated with them. What they hated. You know, yeah, you if know, there was anything that, they wanted know. rid of, all of those sorts of things, um, which is now why the musical is two and a half hours, because they wanted more of everybody, which was like, right. quite difficult, actually. Yeah, we'd have to um, make it really long. Yeah. yeah. we. I, I was thinking that an, a modern audience probably likes a, something a bit shorter post-COVID but it would seem not it would seem that if as long as there is a lot of um something to grasp the audience's attention they're with you and they don't mind if it's a, a short bit of that story they'll accept that they don't need the full background and everything else so um, that was news to me yeah. but we stood there in front of our of our invited audience of about 100 people mm. and just looked at a sea of wet everyone faces everyone was just bawling I mean <laughs> applauding yeah. furiously but also bawling and we were so, like oh okay um we were going to hand out some questionnaires <laughs> but maybe some tissues first yeah, and, then, and then we'll move through the the next bit of how do we develop this further our mums were crying mums don't cry at anything do they? my mum's used to me doing things yeah She's my like, dad yeah, my dad okay. was tearful yeah I think cry. obviously I, I was not at the workshop, but having, you know, spoken to you and listened to the music you provided, I think there's just something that um, 
immediately draws you in and, and connects you and perhaps it's this inherently female experience maybe that's why I'm I connect with it maybe I haven't lived you know these these same issues or the traumas but like we all carry our own baggage and I think you know being able to to see that discussed quite openly I think is really healthy and you know just to have an opportunity for that to be shared as you say without shame yeah. Or, or share the shame and and get through to the other side. I think that's what an exciting opportunity, and I think really refreshing. And I think y- you two should be celebrated for being daring to do that, and also to celebrate you both being mums and being able to, you know, take time to prioritize writing musicals. I think again touching back on that authenticity I think that's really exciting and I think something that um I think a lot of people will hopefully find you know listening to the podcast listening to the musical hopefully eventually watching the show in full hey hey really looking forward to that um so tying that back into the second song we have, so Let the Women Eat. I know this is, um again, as you said, you you wrote all of these about people you know or, or you, yourself. Talk to me about this one. Who's this character? How does it fit in the piece? Ooh. Have we renamed her Yeah, today? we think we've decided we wanted to rename this character. Just today. Today. Just literally Just on the stunning. train. Yeah. I love you her today. Here first, folks. So What's her name yes. today? <laughs> today her name is Simone. Ooh. I'm going for Simone. Yeah, okay, yeah. right. That's it. That's Simone. That's, so she's oh, being... Is it? Yeah. I thought it was the other name. Oh, you're going to go with the other name? What was the other one? Adana. Adana. We liked Adana <laughs> as well. Now tell us about her so we can get to know her. Okay. So she, we worked on her character quite a lot as well because she's in the workshop. She didn't really have much to do except sing this big beast in song. And we were like, oh, I think there should be more about her. Yeah. So we've kind of made her into... So she's now a woman who's going through a divorce and she's got kids. And um, she meets um another woman at the circle and and they kind of fall in love and it's adorable so that's quite sweet i know it's, like, it's, it's just a young it. blossoming little seedling yeah isn't it it's yeah just a little bit of oh yeah so some cute songs about that but at this point she's singing about um the way women are not given a seat at the table and you mm. have to kind of fight for things so it's it's yeah metaphorically let the women eat let us be there let us be at the table so um and it's the amazing Sharon Rose who is singing this for us who is one of my favorite singers of all time she played Eliza in Hamilton recently and she's in films and oh, she's just awesome so this is her epic voice <laughs> singing this song <laughs> Because I don't know just how deep you'll go below the surface Or what you'll find in the damage and dust There's plenty of shipwrecks and shallows But the depths hide the darkest of days The light that shines off of the gallows I've lost isn't real, isn't true Only 
so my children absolutely love singing that number in the bath. <laughs> it's there. It's one of their favourite storms coming and they've got the mermaids and bits and pieces out. Yeah. Yes. It's quite fun. My kids do not like singing my songs at all. <laughs> they're, they're, yeah, they're not, oh, not you, not your songs. <laughs> no, they, you know, until I write Hamilton. Or Matilda, they're not. They're not. They're not interested. interested. No, exactly. Oh, my two love oh, it. Well, yeah, they're not. They're not that interested. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, you have a partnership. You've workshopped. You're rewriting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's next? That's a really good question. It is, isn't it? So we've been toying with a couple of different ideas. All mm. of them mooted on the train again, weren't we? <laughs> this morning we were like, well, "What about this? What about that?" Um, we need to find a company of actor musicians to play it the next time, to workshop it the next time, because I think that's going to be a significant difference and turning mm. point in the product. And we might find that it's a ready product if we see that and it functions and it works well, or if there's, you know, there's tweaks that need to be made. Um, but that's crucial for us at this point. I think we need to work with actual actor musicians as mm. opposed to. And maybe with people who are slightly closer to the age range of our characters. That's one of the, yeah, because I mean, the, the group that performed it for us at the workshop, they're all second years on a musical theatre degree. So they're all about 20 and they were amazing, amazing, amazing. But they were playing people who were only about two of them in their 20s in the musical. Everybody else is a bit older um, and there's people in their 60s and 50s and so my dad, my dad, bless him, was just like, why was that woman singing a song about being popular in the 80s? And I was like, well, because she's she she's meant she's meant to be in her sort of 50s. He was like, oh, <laughs> but but she wasn't. And I was like, I know, dad, that's just the cast we had. And he was like, right. So we we've got, you know, oh, because we really specifically wanted to represent women from all different ages because there's very few parts in theatre for women who are older and and. In any discipline. In any discipline. In any discipline. It seems particularly in musical theatre. It seems really harsh. And we thought, no, we don't, we, we want people to be older and younger in this because that's what you see in a community. Mm. It's not usually a group of 20 year olds. It's, you know, a cross section of society is a wider age range. So there's a grand- grandmother in it who was friends with, um, who's based on one of your friends. Yes. He's <laughs> friends with Mick Jagger. And so she's like this Stevie Nicks character. Um, and then there's another one who's, who's kind of like a, a contemporary of Kylie, who was big in the 80s. And uh, she's called Chantal. And Chantel. she's amazing and sings this incredible song. And it's really hard to represent that with a like a musical degree group. Occasionally you get older people coming in and, um, you know, training, but it's you usually get people who are about 20. So it didn't look quite right it just looked like everyone was the same age I also so think vocally having... people develop differently don't mm. they and uh, as actors you want to be able to put experience or research into the story and these people are young you know hopefully they haven't experienced quite as much of of the difficulties that some of our characters have faced mm. so just for, for again for the authenticity for the for the structure of the piece we really need to push forwards now I think with a cast of actor musicians and hopefully yeah. work with with people that are older yeah the I, age to get yeah. the age range right otherwise not it people won't... that are older people who are correct a, correctly aged yeah for the, yes, for the absolutely. piece yeah so that's another yeah it's harder to to do that unless you do a big a big open casting and then you will get to people because there are there are actors out there who who are looking for those roles and we'd be really happy to provide that role yeah for absolutely. them that'd be really exciting 
Um, so yes, that's kind of the next step. So we're a little bit kind yeah. of like, where do we go? Yeah. Who wants to put on our musical for us? Yeah. Basically, is where we're yeah, at. Yes, that's where we're at now. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like it's a really exciting place. You know, you're fine-tuning now. You're finding the right people to take the piece to that next step, whatever that may be. And then, yeah, I think everyone will be keen to have a chance to see it live and be in that space and sit in those feelings. Making a Musical is produced and hosted by Alex Jackson and Kiki Stevenson for The Other Palace. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you're listening to help us share new British musical theatre with audiences all around the world. You can submit your new musical to be featured on the podcast at theotherpalace.co.uk. That's it from us. Join us next time for more Making Making a Musical, musical, the the future future of British British musical musical theatre.